Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I am super excited because I have story designer, author, and speaker Rance Green here with me today. Thanks for joining me, Rance. Thank you, Leslie. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I'm excited because, I mean, I know that um, a lot of people are fans of yours. I'm a fan of yours because you are basically an expert on how to use uh, stories to sort of um, think about using stories in the instructional design process because it's a great way to basically motivate people to get involved with your training and what you're trying to say. So um, that was like a very ineloquent way of describing what you are an expert in. So I don't know if you want to take a moment or two to sort of introduce yourself and talk about how you got interested in helping other people use stories in this way. Sure, Leslie. And, you know, (laughs) I think you did a fine job. You know, I struggle sometimes to like... uh help people understand what I do. (laughs) So um, I think you did just a fine job there. But yeah, um, I I think that the first time I realized, like when the lights came on that people wanted help with creating stories for training, I was giving a presentation. I was asked to come and talk to a a group of, of people who were part of my local chapter of ATD in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And um, they just wanted me to start sharing some of my work with them. And so I did. I showed some stories that I had created for training. Some of them were very complex, some of them very simple, some of them developed, you know, with full out animation, some of them just stories on a screen. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, people came up to me and they were like, hey, Rance, you know, this is great. And I want to learn how to do this. And so I was like, well, just write the story, you know, and then pair it with the training and kind of got some blank stares. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do that. So I come with to the instructional design field and the talent development field with a background in theater. And so a lot of directing and a lot of acting and choreography. And so like being around and creating stories um, was part of who I was. And so when I came to the instructional design role, um, that's just, I I made story-based training. That's just what I did. Yeah. It's like second nature for you already, right? When you get here. (laughs) That's right. So being able to translate that then and help other people to gain that same skill was kind of like my mission Mm -hmm. after that. And that is how I got started helping others. I, I, I did my first workshop and from that workshop, people went on to transform their training programs into story-based programs. Um, and you know, fast forward a few years and I'm like, Hey, maybe I should document this and, and write a book about it. And, um, ATD press showed a great interest. So I published with them and and the book came out in April. So now I'm thrilled that more and more people can start applying, can applying story design principles in their training to, to help relieve our, our, our burdened learners. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. I think it's more fun to write story-based training and it's also more fun to learn that way. I'm sure. Cause Humans just like stories, right? <laughs> so. 
Spot on. Yeah. So it's kind of leads into kind of my next question though, is, um, in your words, why do you think that stories are so effective, um, for instructional design or learning experience design? Why is it such a good way to, to go about it? Well, Leslie, let me answer your question with a question. And I'd like for you to just think for a moment about stories that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think you like those stories so much? What about them makes them so appealing? What attracts you to them? Well, I mean, they're entertaining, first of all. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They're entertaining and it's kind of, you know, there's whenever you're listening to a good story, you sort of lose track of where you are, what you're doing, you know, it kind of takes you out of, I don't know, your present circumstance for a minute. And you kind of just sort of get Mm -hmm. lost in that experience for a minute. That's right. And the experience that you just described is similar to like a flight simulator. Like when you're in a flight simulator, you, all the neurons are firing that would be firing in a normal circumstance, like in a real world situation. Mm a very similar thing happens with stories. You lean in. That's why you crease your brow when you're, when the character is puzzled. That's why you're on the edge of your seat when there is danger. That's why you cry when there's something emotional and you, you're really taking on that story for yourself and kind of like living it out. Like it's your own reality. Mm -hmm. So if we could take that experience and, and create that experience for training. Doesn't that sound pretty appealing? Yeah. And why wouldn't we, if we want people to, um, if we really want people to practice something, I guess it would make most sense to have them feel like they're going through it themselves. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it makes the training itself more actionable, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, another reason why people use stories in training is because stories are very memorable. Mm. Um, I have a, a beautiful example of this, um, in my own experience where, where they wanted us to come in and do some training and they wanted us to kind of, it was basically compliance related, um, things where people were misbehaving on the team. It was just kind of a general bad culture Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the Mm -hmm. team. And they just, the, the management was saying, Hey, will you come in and slap their hands for us? And I'm like, no, but we will, we'll create a story and we'll, we'll let them figure out the best way through. And so by, by creating the story and then just asking some open-ended questions, the group was able to really hone in on those things that would help the people in the story, um, subconsciously helping themselves Mm. And then not so subconsciously training them on those skills that they've identified um, by watching the story and then telling us what those um, improvements could be. So um, months later, managers call us and say, hey, the whole culture has changed on our team. Whenever we start slipping back, we just say, hey, remember that story? Remember that story that they told us? Because the story itself contained all of the everything that was needed for behavior change. Yeah. And this was not one of our prepared questions, but listening to you talk made me think about it is that there's some people I've heard uh, a little bit of discourse about um, should, when you're trying to use stories 
when you're setting up like a scenario or something like that, do you think there's any benefit over using like a third person? Like what would Susan do versus like putting it in, putting the learner in, in the first person and saying, what would Mm. you do? Like, do you think there's any pros or cons to either of those or really story trumps them both? Yeah. I think that as long as the story is well-designed, um, it doesn't matter. I don't see a disadvantage of putting the learner in the place of an observer. Mm-hmm. There, there's really no disadvantage to that. Um, putting them in the seat of the learner is actually more challenging because um, it can't be gender specific. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be um, ethnic specific. Specific. It's got to be pretty general, and so that it limits you in some ways yeah. on on what you can. How, how much you can develop the main character, <laughs> which is the person sitting in that seat. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way. So in some ways, even though like the idea is to like, you're trying to get on, you're trying to get subconsciously to have the learner think about what they themselves would do. But by saying you, now you've, you've sort of written yourself into a corner of having a very, very generalized scenario that would apply to everybody equally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's very possible. It, it can be done very effectively. I'm not going to say it can't be. I've, I've done it myself, but um, I would say have, putting that learner in the in the seat of the observer is definitely not going to hinder the, the learning. Yeah. And that's sort of, I mean, we've been learning that way since time immemorial. So I think, yeah, you make a very good point. Okay. Uh, Okay. So I guess my next question then is we're trying to get into some practical tips for people. So if this is something new, um, like if someone has never tried storytelling in their design process yet, what do you think would be the first thing that they should think about or look out for? I would say that probably a hundred percent of your audience is training humans. So the people Mm -hmm. pay attention to who you are training and create an audience profile for every new audience that you're training. Each one of those people that you're training is listening to viewing, consuming and telling stories Every day, several times a day, and at night when they go to bed, many times they're dreaming in stories Mm -hmm. and their brain is trying to figure things out. So it is in the best interest of the instruction and certainly in the best interest of the story if you know who is going to be taking that training. And I encourage, like, answer four questions. Mm -hmm. Answer about if you can answer these four questions about your audience, then you're on your way to creating some pretty good instruction and also some great characters for your story. Um, the four questions off the top of my head that I would choose as like primary questions to ask is what does your audience value the most? What are their current circumstances? How are they reacting to those circumstances and what do they fear? Hmm. If you can answer those four questions, you know, with, with a fair amount of confidence, you can't, you need to find out the, the answers to those questions. Talk with people who know the audience, the learning audience, um, and, and find those out. Um, 
if you can answer them, then you're going to be in a much better position to design effective instruction and to um, incorporate a story that is really going to relate to them. Hmm. I'm, I'm most intrigued by the last question you, you brought up, which is know what they fear. So what, what, what is the benefit to knowing what your audience fears in, in this type of situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're we're speaking in terms of what do they fear in the actual situation, in their work situation, mm-hmm. right? Because um, a lot of times the fears themselves uh, will provide information that you are going to incorporate into the story, into the plot in some way. Perhaps they fear um, that they're going to let their customer down Mm. um, because there's this new set of processes and you're training them on this new set of processes. And they're worried that they're going to let their customer down because they're spending all this time trying to um, make sure that they know how the system works now Um, and it's slowing them down. And so they don't want to adopt that new way. Um, They want to, they, they, they want to, they value customer service. Right. And so, that that fear is trumping them actually taking action on your training. So that needs to be in the story, mm. you know, because you, the story can help them, can bring that fear right up to the front and highlight it and address it. And, and also help the training can help actually um, calm some of those fears uh, right away. So that's, you'll get a lot of information from, from answering that question that need to be part of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause story has such a powerful way of accessing people's like subconscious and like by answering that question, like you said, you said it perfectly, you're addressing something that maybe the learner does, isn't even fully aware that they have this competing, like, like, uh, commitment to doing mm-hmm. it the old way. So by bringing that to light and then addressing it, that's very smart. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You must uh, be an expert on this. You must have written a book about it because <laughs> you seem <laughs> to have a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Well, Leslie, I actually like the way you put that because I, I feel like um, a lot of the thing, a lot of the things that you gain from the audience profile that make it into the story. You know, it brings the story into the concrete world of reality. Um, and instructional designers are a bit notorious for it's an ideal world, right? And everything is working just like clockwork. Well, that ain't reality. Mm-hmm. That is not how the world out there is running. And people are, ha- there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of, in you know, it's a complex situation usually. It's not just a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those little details um, help to, to bring the learner right into reality and really respect them, uh, for where they, where they're living right now. Yeah. So I guess, so that's kind of the advice for the beginner, but, um, there might be some people who have sort of been dabbling or been working with this for, you know, some time. So on the flip side of the beginner question then is what do you think experienced storytellers or designers, um, might still be able to improve upon? Like, what would be the advanced mm-hmm. tip? <laughs> sure. Well, this, this sounds like it's not an advanced tip, but I think in every workshop that I've conducted, the most seasoned instructional designers still struggle with performance objectives. Mm. And I would say you have to have a logical sequence of performance objectives 
and they need to be observable actions. Um, if your performance objective starts with the word understand, you got to go a little deeper. Hmm. What does the learner do as a result of understanding ABC? And so that, that, that action needs to turn into an actual observable action because you're definitely not going to be able to create stories without those actionable actions in your, in your performance objectives because that is where your conflict lies. And that is how the story, I think a lot of people who have tried out story, um, the, they've gotten the story a little wrong because it's not totally connected to the performance objectives that you're training on. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go hear a speaker and they're telling this story, a lot of people tell stories when they speak yeah. and at the end you're like, what on earth was that? Why did you tell me that story? Yeah. <laughs> what was the point of it? Because they didn't circle it back around and connect it to the message. So it's the same with training and it's got to connect to those performance objectives. And I think that even seasoned, even seasoned people struggle with that. But if they get it right, man, the story comes pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do the action verbs, no passive verbs here. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, uh, let me see here. I guess that my last question here is sort of because I'm interested. I mean, I've read the book and I, I'm lucky enough to have a chance to chat with you. And But um, what is something that people ask you, like, what's a common question that people ask you about this? I mean, I, I'm assuming <laughs> you're doing some PR and going around and talking about it quite a lot. But, you know, what are, what are people cur- most curious about? Well, Leslie, I, I do talk to a lot of people about this. And... <laughs> strangely, the thing that a lot of people ask me is what kind of situations would you not use a story in for training? And I always, I'm a little, it's a little bit of a head scratcher for me because I feel like I should be saying something really philosophical and, you know, deep, but usually my answer is, well, there really isn't any situation in a training scenario where you shouldn't be using stories. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But what about, you know, systems training or something like that? I'm like, yep. I've seen some beautiful examples of stories that were used for systems training or technical training. So I can't, if you are, if you are training someone to do something different than what they are already doing, there's a story there. Hmm. And so I would say any situation, any kind of training situation, in my opinion, deserves a story. <laughs> yeah. Or at least the th- like, at least consider it, right? Like, don't just, don't just, mm-hmm. uh, assume because it is something pretty dry that, uh, that you couldn't create a story around it. That's right. Usually that dry material is like really like ripe for, for a story. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I actually, I'm thinking of one specific project at work where I was like, I was not thinking about a story for that, but now that you say it, maybe, (laughs) maybe I can figure it out. I'll have to put my thinking cap on, but, um, yeah. So again, thank you so much, Rance, for joining me. And I know you have so much more to say about this topic. This was just a little bite-sized conversation about it. So if people wanted to connect with you or reach out to you, um, what would be the best way to do that? I guess the easiest way is either um, through my website, needastory.com, and you can click on the contact tab and get in touch with me in that way. Um, or you can just, um, send me an invitation on LinkedIn. Um, I'm 
blessed to have, we are blessed to have a very engaged community on LinkedIn in this industry um, with lots of great articles and videos being shared. So, you know, I'd love to uh, connect in that way. I do have a instructional story design roundtable. Hmm. Um, and my first one is going to be February 16th, 2021. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking that this might be, this will be my first one. And so I'm thinking that it might continue on, but it's just going to be a community of people who are interested in story design and either they have read the book and they have some successes to share, or they have some struggles to share, Mm. or they're brand new to this idea and want to just connect with others who are doing it and, and form a community. So I'm extremely excited to just, um, to connect with people. It's totally free. Yeah. And, and you can find out how to register at neatastory.com. Sounds great. Yeah. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about communities of practice myself these days. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome that you're, you're, um, creating a space for that. So very cool. All right. Well, I think that's up it for us today. So thanks again so much Rance, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks so much for having me.